everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Son of Neptune. How are you doing today, Jane? Oh, you know, I'm I'm good. I've I've taken the day off today on account of having a headache all day. Uh-huh. But it's gone now. I've been cured of it by recording with my good friend Jacqueline. Yeah, it, the, the the thing about headaches is that they go away when you talk out loud for a long time. Yeah, when you do a lot of stuff also, and like uh, read a book when you should really have the light on but don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, God. No, it's, it's that's what it's like. <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? I'm doing just fine. I'm excited to record today. I'm yeah. I'm feeling 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 the aster. The the aster. It's the opposite of disaster. Oh. I thought it was like short for Asterius or something. <laughs> he's he's not in these chapters. Who is that? The 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 Minotaur. Oh right, right, okay. No, he's not in these chapters. Unless <laughs> no, we have the other most significant villain from Percy's past returning. Oh, oh shit! You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Would you like to get right into our summaries today? Hang on, let me very professionally check if there's any news. Apparently, there'll be a Percy Jackson panel at D23 Expo. I don't know what that is, and I don't particularly care. <laughs> New section over. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, I think that's enough. How about how about you lend us those summaries, my good friend? Hell yeah, I closed the document that had the summaries in them. Whoops. Here we go. Chapter seventeen. Hazel. Hazel is having an absolutely miserable time on the boat. She's seasick, participating in a suicide mission, and worst of all, the boat is reminding her of her journey to Alaska with her mother. As the boat passes under the Golden Gate Bridge, Nereus pops out of the water to smack talk Percy, which doesn't get very far because, like most of the readership, Percy has forgotten about the time that he suplexed him in Titan's Curse. <laughs> we also find out that Nico didn't stick around at Camp Jupiter. Instead, he went back to the Underworld, which is apparently descending into chaos to the point where his dad directly needs his help to deal with it. Percy recognises Mount Tam as they pass it, and mentions that he's pretty sure he knows what fighting a Titan is like, a statement which is so cool that it causes Hazel to pass out and have another flashback to her past. Unsurprisingly, Hazel's stint in Alaska was even more miserable than her shitty life in New Orleans. She and her mother live in a one-room shack, the locals still somehow think she's a witch, and it's very, very cold. On the last day of her time in Alaska, Hazel found a horse while out of the house, and spends most of the day of the daylight hours chasing it. Right around the time she realises it's nearly 10 at night and she's still chasing the damn thing, it literally teleports away, which is weird. Hazel goes home and finds the place a wreck. It's been torn up by The Voice, which possesses Marie during the night, and has been forcing Hazel to work on a mysterious project out on an invisible island in the bay. Hazel, seeing that her mother didn't stick around after destroying the place, realises that she needs to head to this island to see her. She takes a rowboat, and partway there, a raven lands on the prow, cryptically saying, Tonight, the last night, before flying away. Hazel goes to the cave on the island, finding her mother and the Project, a pool of petrol, jewels, and gold that she's been forced to dig up from the earth, and which Guy has been been feeding to Alcyonius to try and resurrect him. At the very least, Marie has been released from Guy's control, and she tells Hazel that this is all her fault, because she asked for a boon from Pluto, 
which was all the wealth under the earth. Pluto flat out warned her that this was just going to be a curse and she didn't listen. Now all Gaia needs to seal the deal and raise her kid is a willing sacrifice of a human soul, and Marie has agreed to do that on the condition that Gaia lets Hazel live. Hazel proceeds to apply the first rule of being held by a villain. You are the only irreplaceable person in the room. If they threaten you with death, show them who's boss. Die faster. She collapses the roof of the cave, killing herself and her mother by drowning them in petrol, and delaying the giant's rise for a few decades. Chapter 18. Hazel. Hazel wakes up on a beach at this point, shaken awake as Percy and Frank were worried that she passed out from seasickness. Hazel confesses that it was a blackout, and is about to explain why it happened when Frank preempts her, correctly guessing that she's from a different time. He's known her for a while and noticed a lot of weird stuff about her that tracks with that theory. He doesn't seem that bothered by it, and in fact seems poised to tell her his own secret, probably about the secret Deathwood, when Hazel is dragged into the grass by the shore by some monsters. Chapter 19. Hazel. Hazel escapes the monsters by dragging a large chunk of schist stone out of the ground and hiding on top of it. The monsters, it turns out, are personifications of grain, such as barley and wheat, called carpoi, who are thrown in with the giants because they're sick of being cultivated for human use. They're also really dumb, and Hazel manages to get some important information out of them. The second giant's army is nearby, the giant in question is named Polybates, and Alcyonius definitely has Thanatos. Unfortunately, Hazel finds out that he's not being kept on the island where Gaia had her working originally, and as a result could be anywhere in Alaska. At this point, the carpoy realise what Hazel is doing and go in for the kill, only to be foiled by Frank and Percy catching up to them. Hazel, Frank, and Percy all climb up on the big pile of schist and observe Polybity's army. Percy is shocked to see that there are Cyclopes and Centaurs in their ranks, and we also see that Mar Gasket is with some of those Cyclopes, yelling about how much she hates Jason, Piper, and especially Leo for soloing them, which helpfully lets Hazel know that Jason might still be alive. The monsters try to stop at a roadside convenience store, but it's protected by a rainbow barrier that reflects their attacks, and eventually they give up and move on. But not before Polybates talks a bunch of shit about the minor god in the store, who's presumably generating the shield. Percy, Frank, and Hazel decide to go and visit once the coast is clear. <sighs> so, what did you think of these chapters, Jacqueline? Uh, these were pretty like bleak at first, <laughs> uh, uh, and then the rest were—I mean, still kind of bleak, but like pretty standard adventure stuff. Yeah, three of these are like just standard kind of in-between important shit happening, Percy Jackson chapters. And then the first one is like a fucking standalone horror story. No, it really is. It's like a different book. <laughs> I yeah, the th- it, it shifts genres entirely. I felt like I had read like three chapters by the time I'd finished it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I it's kind of wild. It's kind of it's it's so creepy. Like these books do occasionally dip into horror, but like. The way that the the Hazel is described as being like isolated up in this place, like the intense detail that Rick actually uses to describe like how awful it is to live in Alaska, yeah, like it it just paints this incredibly horrible picture of the situation that Hazel is trapped in. 
Yeah, because she lives in Alaska in like the 1930s. There's no internet. She doesn't have any friends. People throw things at her on the street. Mm-hmm. And her her mom is possessed by a fucking, like, a, a, an evil force of nature that every night leads her to this mysterious island and forces her to work. It's like, it's like the kind of horror short story you read when you're like in middle school. Or like... Yeah. Or like... I don't know. It's this is actually something kind of common. I feel like um, we're like if a book series wants to introduce like kind of an origin point, like we're going back, we're going back years, maybe hundreds of years, decades, that kind of thing to Uh like, this is where the conflict started. Um, There are a lot of like these sort of children's books, these like young adult series that will really heavily lean into the horror of it. Um, like I, this is something I remember happening with Darren Shan's books. Uh, obviously Darren Shan already writes like children's horror, but like in the Demonata series, some of the most like graphic, like some of the most graphic, like body horror and just despair inducing shit is like the book where they go back in time and talk about like where all the conflict started. Yeah, I guess I mean, it makes sense that you do that kind of thing because it means you can kind of you can get away with really upping the stakes in the present without having to deal with like that tone happening to the characters in the present day. Yes. That degree of separation means that you can get away with, for example, putting Hazel on like an Island that whispers like mind control shit to her and has a heartbeat. Like that kind of fucking horrifying Lovecraftian shit. Yeah. An Island that nobody else knows about. They think that Mm -hmm. she's like crazy. God, this chapter is so good. It's really good, and the rest is pretty good too. It's 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 sta- your standard fare, but uh-huh. I, this is definitely the standout for me. Like, it's just Rick is writing in a different mode than he usually does, which is always cool. Yeah, one thing that's kind of it's it's been something that I bring up occasionally with these books, but has really been bugging me in this one so far has been like there's been like a lack of. Um, like detailing of environments just in like the descriptions like the the senate hall in particular i thought stood out as just like being described very mechanically there's nothing about it be looking like grand or anything like that it's just yeah a room with some guys in it but this chapter has like like when hazel arrives on the island it mentions like the boat cracking through some ice and silt on the shore as she arrives it's just stuff like that it gets you like so much more into this which then makes it more horrifying and creepy. No, you're right. Like everything is kind of formless a lot of the time. Not not in all of Camp Jupiter, but like we go into a building and we don't know shit about that building. Yeah. But you're like you're right that it's improving here, and I think in the rest of the chapters too. Um, like we we get a for the most part for the most part because uh-huh. um the, I I think the sequence where Hazel is like being pulled through the fields is really great. Like mm-hmm. it's it's still like kind of in that horror mode a little bit, and like you don't know what the fuck is going on, but you're also getting this description of like just like the field and the grass like pulling at her. That yeah, is like very visually striking. I wonder if it's maybe. Um, I wonder if this is something that we're gonna see as like part of the way that Hazel's voice works. Maybe she is just like a character who is more descriptive about that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't remember it coming up a lot in her previous chapters but like 
Mm, the fact that it carries over from the the horror story chapter into the present day stuff indicates that maybe she's just more aware of the world around her in that way. That's very possible. And yeah, because there was a degree of that with like her flashback. Um, I think I think the fact that this this vividness is happening in these flashbacks really helps to like um, affect to the reader just how real they are happening to her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which like if, they're not just like, here's what happened. Here's what happened. It's not just a run through of events. It, it, it's very vividly like her existing in these memories. And I, I think that like the, 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 the vividness of the detail really adds on to that in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also I just, it, uh-huh. sorry, you go. Go ahead. Also, I just, fuck, dude, ha- Hazel does not have a bad bone in her body. No, yeah. She does not deserve any of this shit. She really doesn't. She goes out as a fucking hero. Like, like the fact that, like, her, her mother, after abusing her and, like, exploiting her her whole life, is, like, on her knees begging for forgiveness... And Hazel can't even bring herself to be mad. Like, fuck. I'm glad that she now has a big brother looking out for her. Yeah, I, I really do too. I really am too. Like, no, her, her like, story is so sad. Like, the fact that her mom, I don't know, this is very, this is kind of, it's, like, Hazel was, to an extent, it almost feels like she was, like, created because of this like desire in her mom you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like um mm, wait no i don't like this actually oh i i i realized that the sentence i was about to say was like uh she's like trapping pluto in the marriage by by having a child and i was like wait what the fuck am i saying (laughs) Yeah, I don't that's think not, that's how it went. That's not how I. That's not. But like the 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 like getting him to promise her all of the riches of the underworld or whatever. Um, it actually does have that vibe. So that I'm like, kind of, I don't like that actually. But it, it's mm-hmm. also just a very like. This is a very morality tale, I guess. This is very like Grimm's yeah. fairy tales. And there is a degree to which like the book is being very judgmental about Murray wanting to have money. And like, I don't know, she was broke as shit and living in New Orleans. I can kind of sympathize. No, for sure. Like, <laughs> she's she should be in an incredibly sympathetic position. Like, yeah, it's bad to abuse your kids, for sure. Um, you do not but, under any circumstances got to hand it to Queen Marie. You, you don't got to hand it to her. But, like, <laughs> you, you, I feel like the book should be a little bit more like, and th- and these are the reasons. And, like, I don't know. Eric Riordan, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there could be more nuance, but Rick Riordan. But yeah, Hazel is ultimately Hazel is just she's so sad. I guess that makes sense because she is literally a dead person. She she is a, a fucking zombie. What's with the horse? I I don't no, I have to assume this is like gonna come back when they get to Alaska. I I guess so. I wonder if it's a Poseidon thing. That's possible. But Poseidon invented horses, and she's yeah. supposed to have like her her 
curse washed away by a descendant of Poseidon. That's true. I was it a descendant of Poseidon or a descendant of Neptune? Uh oh, you yeah, probably Neptune. That's interesting because Alaska is supposed to be like beyond the reach of the gods or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but we do get little hints of like oh the raven that like talks to her. It's kind of implied as Pluto. Yeah, that seems to be one of Pluto's messengers. Either that or fucking Odin is sticking his nose into this. Uh-huh. Which I guess could happen, but, you know. Yeah, that's true, but I think it's a little bit early. Um, The thing that I... If, with any other author, I would assume this is a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with almost any other author, I'm not saying Rick can't do metaphors, and it's I guess it already is sort of a metaphor, um, but it it is also definitely going to be something else on top of that. Like, uh-huh. oh, Hazel sees this horse. Horses are a symbol of like the fr- the fleeting freedom she got to feel and love, and like these things that she ends up chasing around all day and like leaving her home to do because she uh-huh. can't. Uh, because obviously she doesn't want to be at home. Like that's a that's that's what we call a metaphor. Um, but also, the the horse is gonna be something. It's gonna like save them in a battle or something. It is a literal magic horse that may even be revealed to be like to have been around her because of the, her feeling that thing. Exactly. Which is fine this too, is, I guess. This is simply the way that he he writes, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I think the the fucking grain, the grain cherubs are the funniest thing I've ever seen. I I wish I could love these these little fucks. I don't love them, but I wish I so could appreciate them, I guess. Uh-huh. I just the way they are described is like it's it's trypophobia hell. Oh, yeah. Just they they got like I think it, the specific way that they're described is like seeds pitted in their faces. Ugh. No, no, thank you. I Very want them bad. Out of the book as quickly as possible. They're they're incredibly fucked up, but they're also just like little fat babies, uh, and that's kind of fun. They're little fat, extremely stupid babies. They are. I they're. This is like a classic Percy Jackson monster interaction in a way that I enjoy. Um, uh. But they're just like. I'm grain. I like to say that grain is cool. I'm barley. I like to say that barley is cool. It, it, it's pretty pretty standard. I do appreciate that when the wheat one dies, he turns into Weetabix. <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, what? Did, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Is this Does this happen in yours? Wait. One sec. Let me check. Suddenly there was a whistling sound. Wheat's snarl froze. He looked down at the golden arrow that had just pierced his chest. Then he dissolved into pieces of Weetabix. Suddenly there was a whistling sound. Wheat's snarl froze. He looked down at the golden arrow that had just pierced his chest. Then he dissolved into pieces of Chex Mix. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> we're, we're back, baby. It's fucking it's, localization time. It's been so long since we found a weird, why would you even do this localization detail? What are they called? Weetabix? What? Weetabix. Yeah, they're just like... They're just like breakfast cereal. They're just like a big biscuit made out of wheat. And then you put it in a cereal bowl. This is like, this is just what Shaq's Mix is. Ah, I, okay. I thought that was like a bag full of nuts or something that you ate on high. 
Kiaras have them apparently, but I've I've never fucking heard of these Weetabix. Uh, Chex Mix, <laughs> Chex Mix are like um, I th- they they I think they're both. Let me make sure that I'm not talking out of my ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are usually they're like a they're like a cereal, but also a snack because Chex is a cereal, but Chex Mix ah, is like okay. a trail mix. Right. So, okay. This trail. Okay. That's that's another thing is. Yeah. So, fucking weird. Very, very strange. We always happen across these very organically. So I wonder, like, (laughs) I wonder if there's just, like, a long list of shit we've missed. Yeah, because it's been a while since we've run across one of these. And I'm sure there's been, like, minor ones that we just run over because we don't, like, we don't compare the the versions word for word. Uh Uh-huh. I'm I'm sure there is bullshit that we've missed. Oh, absolutely. Percy is fucking the coolest character he really is they cut apart all of these like wheat things and they like turn into weetabix and chex mix and shit and percy they start to reform because you know they won't actually die and percy pulls out a fucking lighter and says (laughs) it'll set fire to the entire field if they reform yeah it's amazing uh, Q, Q Frank, of course, freaking out um, because this is like his worst nightmare happening. Like well, This I'm, is the nightmare scenario. Like, I really wish that he got a POV here because it's so fucking funny. <laughs> like, he's... Imagine if your one thing was like, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a son of a god. I'm, I'm very powerful. I can do a lot of shit. Uh, my one weakness is that I carry a piece of wood with me, and if it burns up, I die. And then you're fucking the guy who's supposed to save you from the from the giants pulls out a lighter, <laughs> and it's like it's I'm fun- gonna burn. <laughs> this is a betrayal of epic proportions as well, because Percy is the son of a water god. These are the last <laughs> person Frank would expect this from. <laughs> Oh God, you're right. You're right. He's like Percy is the safest person I could nominate. That's why he <laughs> took him. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Oh God. Why is he carrying I, a lighter? I don't. I guess it's because he went to get his travel supplies, right? So I guess like you bring a lighter with you. I guess I can't. I guess it's for like campfires and shit. I, yeah. But I love Hazel fucking, like, he'll do it, too. He's crazy. Like, <laughs> that's just amazing. Look, Hazel has proven, if anything, that she knows how to, like, cotton on and go with the bit. Absolutely. Like she, she duped those carpoy out of a bunch of intelligence and then did this. She's, she's yeah. doing a thing. I-, I like Hazel. Hazel's a good character. Hazel is a good character. I These... these... <laughs> We all the new characters have like quote unquote proven themselves in my eyes as like these are mm-hmm. these are good characters to have as POV characters I think. Yeah, like and especially because um, like one thing that we get in these chapters is that we get like Hazel telling her backstory to Frank, which like I know we've been making a lot of Piper comparisons, but like getting that out of the way early kind of nips that in the bud. I think. This is doing a lot of stuff earlier than uh, than the Lost Hero did. They got to camp quicker. They got out of camp quicker, probably, or maybe not quite, quite as quick actually. Um, they they they're telling secrets quicker, and I like all the characters quicker. <laughs> God, yeah. It, it took us a while to warm up to Leo as the best character in that book. Yeah, for sure. Fuck. Who was it in our Discord server who posted a meme that was like? 
the virgin lost hero wait 400 pages to find out who the villain is the chad son of neptune ask 20 pages in and find out who it is <laughs> i forget let me check <laughs> it was human in the discord server oh yes you're right uh thank you very much <laughs> god uh yeah this this book's this book's pretty fun so far uh it's good yeah, not uh, we're not we're not done talking about it yet. I just it, it is fun. <laughs> we could just end talking about Son of Neptune in this chapter. Honestly, we could just like it was a good book. Let's move on. Go to the fucking <laughs> what's next? Mark of the Athena. Yeah, we had the return of Nereus. The the book can only go downhill from here. I love seeing Nereus. <laughs> I I just like you forget about the old man of the fucking like the old the fucking old man of the sea. Like the the weird seal guy, until he shows he up. He did turn into a seal, didn't he? He did. <laughs> and <laughs> I love this series. Um, it's it's so weird. <laughs> and him just like glaring at Percy, and Percy glaring back like they're old enemies. But like Frank and Hazel have no idea what the fuck is going on. And Percy also has no idea what the fuck is going on. He doesn't remember this guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just, this is the technique he learned with the gang, is you have to return the Sigma Stare. Exactly. No, Christ. Yeah, <laughs> Percy is having um a bad fucking time of it. <laughs> because what we learn here is that Gaia's army is composed of... um Cyclopes and uh and Centaurs. Mm-hmm. Which are like best friends to Percy. But not all the time. Like the, we we've we've had callbacks to see monsters already. The main villain of that book was a Cyclops. I guess he's just had enough removal from that to be like True. you know the, the one I'm I'm cool with some Cyclopes, but like his the fact that he gets so shaken up really just makes me think about like what, what are the party ponies evil too? I I desperately hope that the party ponies turn out to be evil. This would be vindication for my my long-standing hatred of them. It'd be fun too if it was like, oh, they, you know, they'll fight the Titans, but they won't fight Gaia. Mhm. That would actually be really cool. Yeah, like whether as like oh they're cowards or like oh they they have that's where their loyalties align but it's one of those like not that i necessarily am rooting for the frat boy centaurs to come back but but if they come back they should be fucked up and evil exactly uh, and we see my gasket again too i this was surprising to me uh-huh I, I, of all the characters to return even more than nereus my gasket uh, yeah, I mean, this is a villain from literally last book, but I guess it's showing that, like, they really are just instantly reforming. I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's true. I just feel like, I was just surprised because I thought, thought her only purpose in life was to get fucking rolled by Leo to show that he's the best character in Lost Hero. Maybe he'll come back. That's that's how he comes back. He drops more heavy machinery <laughs> on them and is like, it's Leo time. It's my favorite part of that book. Uh-huh. Uh that that would be awesome. I, that would be awesome. You're right. I hope they just come back in every book and get squashed every single time. <laughs> it can oh, be by God, different characters, but everyone gets a go. Yes. Oh Christ. Uh 
yeah, and it's really sweet how like Frank um just like instantly accepts like he's very nurturing he's very caring he instantly is like oh god you're ha- like is it a is it a medical thing your blackouts how can i take care of you it's just nice he's a nice boy he's nice i feel like hazel really kind of deserves this after she does the shit time that she's had she absolutely like, does i'm glad that someone is being nice to her speaking of people who are nice to her uh-huh uh, Nico continues to have apparently fucking ascended to godhood in the background between books. Yeah, yeah. Like he's being called back to the underworld, uh, like to help the Furies control like the the planes of Asphodel and stuff. And like the implication here is that Nico is now an enforcer for Hades on the level of the Furies. I'd be more scared if Nico showed up than if the Furies showed up. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's such a cool mental image. Like, both of them are intimidating, but, like, there's the intimidation factor of, like, old ladies who are monsters and will fucking rip your skin off versus, like, I don't know, this 14-year-old boy melting out of the shadows with, like, a sick-ass leather jacket and, like, with a weird sword and being like, your time is up or whatever. I mean, uh, bearing in mind, I think... I. Now that I think about it, Nico might actually be more powerful than the Furies, just straight up. Because, like, Percy killed Electo first day. Like, first time holding Riptide, he took that one down. And Nico, like, helped Percy take down a Titan in the Demigod Files, so like... Yeah. (laughs) He might just be better at his job. Do you think that Percy could take Nico? Who who wins in that fight? Uh, oh. N- not that I want to do like the versus Wikia thing of like, what are the power levels? But it's I don't know. It's what I'm thinking uh, about right now. I think it, it's it would definitely be like an environmental thing, like you know if Percy can get in a puddle, then he's he's got it. He's lo- got it locked down. Uh huh. If it happens in a, in a graveyard, thanks, Charlie. If it happens in a graveyard, Nico will fucking destroy him. That tracks to me. Because, like, lest we forget that Nico can just command undead at will. Yeah, no, he just, like, raises skeletons from the earth, like, fucking Harrow, apparently. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Uh, the thing that... And I really like this turn for Nico's character. Like I said before, I think it's it's cool that he's just kind of, like, slipping in and out of books... Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we know that he's going to come back and be more significant later on. Um, he's got his own book in the works, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. But also like he's, there's no doubt that like, I'm sure he'll get some resolution in this as well. Mm-hmm. But I just like him as a character who pops up for a few chapters and is cool. Yeah. He's very cool. Percy also is very cool, but we've said this, but like, Apart from just having his memories assaulting him, he's and doing like the fire, like he's he's so intimidating, and he's like, he's switched from like our plucky main character to like the weird guide, like when there's like an older like, yeah, like when there's like an older, more experienced traveler who two less experienced travelers are following, who is like kind of grizzled and like mysterious. Like he's that character now. Yeah, the way that um, 
where Hazel's like, oh yeah, um, that's Mount Tam. Jason went up there and fought a Titan last year. I mean, can you imagine? And Percy's just like, yep, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it actually sounds pretty normal. <laughs> Doesn't sound too hard. God, no, he, he's, Percy is, this is not the direction I expected his character to go. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, like he's still just the same Percy Jackson that we know from before. Um, but that's in his POV chapters. I, I would wonder if there was a midnight sun style rewrite of the first five <laughs> books, um, what would Percy be like to like Annabeth and like the Annabeth chapters or that kind of thing? Oh, no, 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 no. If we're doing a midnight sun rewrite of the original Percy Jackson, we're doing it from Grover's perspective. Oh God, you're right. <laughs> Which no, means that's... like three books will be completely irrelevant bullshit. <laughs> I would love the Council of Cloven Elders like politics plot. <laughs> like I <God>. think that <laughs> if Rick Riordan was gonna write just like a completely irrelevant bullshit book, um, I think per- bu- uh, Grover just going around to different places that the fucking satyrs live in the United States and trying to tell them about his weird religious experience would be awesome. Just setting up his little cult. That's 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 my wish list. Get out of here, Nico book. Get out of here, events filling in all the cool shit that we heard Clarice was doing in the first series. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know about the time that she, like... She, like, fucking wrecking balled a building or something? Yeah, to, like, close one of the entrances of the labyrinth. God, that's awesome. (laughs) I definitely don't want to see the Battle of Manhattan from Clarice's perspective. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, We need Grover. It's Grover or nothing. I I want, like, for the last Olympian equivalent, like, 60 blank pages for the bit where he's just, like, asleep in a forest. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I would love it if the book was just like a couple of chapters. Like it's a it's a novella. <laughs> it's not what a novella is, but you know what I mean. Uh, I got I got you. Whatever it takes to get that essential Grover experience out there. Absolutely. It's it was surprising to me that the giant that or that the enemy called Polybides that Terminus warned them about uh, was the giant who's coming. I was not expecting that. Uh, how come? I, I don't, the way it said it, the way the Terminus said it, it made it seem like this is some enemy that, like, has been going around for a while, like, some wandering monster, or, like, mm-hmm. it's specifically, ter- it's like, Terminus saying it. Like, if Reyna had said it, that would make sense to me. I guess Terminus knows more than he, you know, he's he's the, he's the a god, so, of course, he would yeah. know some of this stuff. But, oh, we haven't really talked about it, Polybides is actually the anti-Poseidon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think this is new information, right? Yes. Hmm. And yet he can't. He's not even traveling by water. What a loser! <laughs> Maybe he really hates water. <laughs> like he's the anti-Poseidon because he can like use lightning, and lightning is super effective against water. God, that would kind of rule. I also like the idea that Gaia was just like, like she wasn't specific enough when she was creating him, and it kind of backfired. Uh-huh. It's like, this is the anti-Poseidon, and it just means that he has intense hydrophobia. <laughs> like, he's just really scared of Poseidon. <laughs> he just does not like water and can't swim. I like that idea. Um, <laughs> it's fucked up. Um, but, I'm I, yeah, I was surprised to see him so quickly. It amps up the stakes, for sure. 
because like we're a a, a fourth of the way through this book, I think. Yeah. And it's already like, oh god, they're like five miles away from the camp. Yeah, compared to um, like Lost Hero, where the giants only show up at the very end. Like getting one this early again is just this book's moving a lot faster. Definitely, this weird minor god. This has to be like Iris or something, right? It has to be. It's a rainbow shield. There's no way it's not Iris. We've we've never. I don't think we've ever talked to Iris directly on page. Um, but no, she's just like the phone operator in the first five books. No, exactly. So I'm excited to see how that like manifests. Like, what if is she is like shown as like just being in like this weird grocery store full of like phones and stuff and like operating line. I think mm. that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm also I'm actually really excited to see just like a straight up minor god. Cause like Lost Hero, we saw the people who the minor god's responsibilities are being shunted off onto. So I, I I'm interested to see like what's changed for them since last olympian especially because like polybius is still using minor god as an insult so it's clearly not lost that stigma yeah same uh i think it's gonna be very exciting to see her uh assuming it is her i guess it could be someone else because i mean i was i was dead ass that it was going to be chronos when we saw like all the hallmarks of chronos last book so i guess i could be wrong again i guess it doesn't mean anything when just like a rainbow shows up it could be anyone yeah yeah i feel like we just need to talk about this first chapter more i don't know like it's so good (laughs) it's good but does it have the best aspects of these chapters how so uh the characters saying like eight different times that uh the word schist sounds kind of like the word shit (laughs) no wait you're right yeah that that (laughs) that's really good it's it's the it's the damn bit uh from titan's curse (laughs) but a little bit worse it's a little bit worse, and like it happens several times very fast, and stops being funny. That's the thing. Um, I I think that when it, when it comes to the things I didn't like as much about these chapters, yeah, the schist bit was a bit overplayed. Um, I like I thought it was still like decently funny. You know, get you get to have your little swear word. Um, there are actually a couple of these, like, almost swears. Like, we went, we talked about the one earlier with, like, Percy saying that he was fucked. <laughs> yeah. God, I forgot about that. Apart from that, I think my other big complaint is that sometimes, I don't know, the writing, the way that, especially, like, the latter chapters of this were written, I think especially the final chapters, what I'll say, was just, mm-hmm. like, kind of confusing to follow. Oh, Okay um specifically the bit with like i was having a difficult time figuring out what was going i had to reread the entire bit of like ma gasket being like they're going to polybides pointing at a grocery store because there's a convenience store on a mountain being like can we go eat food from that place and then they almost go to it but then there's a rainbow crystal and they start to attack but then polybides is like no don't attack i it it was hard to follow for me yeah no you're right that bit is kind of it's extremely weird to follow it's not helped by like they attack and then stop attacking and they attack some more and then maybe they're being deliberately provoked to attack because it means they burn all their shit by throwing it at it and then there's a muffin that polybides thinks is a grenade yeah there's a lot happening wait what does it say in your chapters is thrown uh a tiny dark object came sailing out of the window 
A chocolate muffin. You dare insult me with a chocolate muffin? He threw the cake back at the shop and it vaporized in the light. That's fucking funny. Uh, in my oh, in my God. chapters, in my chapters, it is specifically a ding dong. What the fuck is a ding dong? That's not real. <laughs> it is real. It is real. That's, you're fucking with me. You're making these up now. <laughs> I this is such a good ro- role reversal because the <laughs> stupid names are always like oh the British stupid names, but. Uh, <laughs> But no, this is truly like I am explaining to you what a ding dong is. It's it's basically like it's basically like it's not a chocolate muffin, but it's not not a chocolate muffin. It's just like a chocolate snack, like a little chocolate cake. Oh, it's got a Wikipedia page. It must be real. It's very real. Oh, this looks like kind of like what if an Oreo was fatter? A little. It's like a cakey. It's cakey though. And like the the cream inside is like a little bit less like cream like it's 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 liquidier not liquidy but like it's fluffier I think than Oreo cream. Oh, it's like a flat mini roll. I, I suppose so. I assume that fuck <laughs> cultural differences are strange. <laughs> cultural differences are strange. I love to. It, it is fun to talk about them though. Uh, God, I. It, I I uh, so wish that it just said ding dong in this book. Because you would have been like, what the fuck? If I had just read that, I would have ascended to heaven immediately. <laughs> a ding dong? You dare insult me with a ding dong? <laughs> God, that is funny. Why do the localization people change that? Yes. it. Christ. <laughs> I I because the other thing you hear ding dong about is like oh it's like a euphemism for penis and uh-huh. so I don't know what the assumption would be if you didn't know what a, what the hostess snack ding dong was and read that but anyway several muttered hungrily ding dongs where are ding dongs <laughs> uh I like how we ragged on Rick Riordan for uh repeatedly going haha shit sounds kind of like shit and then we spent like the past five minutes being like haha ding dong means penis <laughs> well i think it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's when just... we do it uh-huh that's right i i really just want to go back to the first chapter a little bit uh-huh. and because i we didn't emphasize enough how fucked up how hazel dies is oh god yeah okay do you want to go into it or should i you know that if if anyone in in our listenership has uh, watched season three of Young Justice, there's like a device they have where they like lock you in it and then they fill it with tar so that you drown and you see if you it activates and has any superpowers. Uh, Hazel's mom doesn't get any superpowers. No. Yeah, <laughs> she she extracts oil from the ground and like drowns all of them. It's. I... You, Jesus like, Christ. It specifically like mentions like oh she can feel the oil dripping into her lungs. It's Wait, it's on. her Does it say oil in mine? Yeah, no, it says oil. Damn it. <laughs> you thought they like localized oil out of it? I thought they like localized it to petrol or something. That'd be very funny. Anyway, yeah, uh what the fuck? It's it's so fucked up. Also like I the this entire section, I think, with, like, Hazel going inside the cave and it being, like, a living organism, 
is just like a straight point-for-point improvement on when Rick tried this concept in Red Pyramid. Yes. Because in that one, it was undercut by like, there's there's a bunch of red liquid inside the pyramid. Ooh, what is it? Is it ketchup? Who can say? Whereas in this one, he just like swaps it out for this like swirling pool of like petrol and gold and jewels and stuff. Yeah. But, like it's still kind of organic despite being all this weird shit. And it's just, that's that's so much creepier and so much more effective. It's it's disgusting and scary. I also just really enjoy that this chapter, like, makes it clear that, like, the the reason that Gaia is coming back and that the giants are coming back is Hazel. Like, that really puts her in an interesting narrative mm-hmm. position. I, if that makes her, like, a perfect protagonist, and I'm so, like, I'm glad that we've got that positioning for the future. Yeah, definitely. And like, it's, and like they're coming back because of Hazel, but it's not Hazel's fault. No, it's uh. not. God, it's so sad. Poor Hazel. Poor Hazel. I, Alicinius, or fuck it, whoever is Alcyonius. Alcyonius. Uh, like his his return is delayed, but there's a really weird detail about it. Uh huh. He doesn't return in the modern day after the Titan War. He returns in the 1980s. Yeah, what? I see. He, there must be like a reveal that he's been up to something. I guess so. Like, is is there going to be some minor detail in Percy Jackson that we find out? Is like, I mean, I guess the fact is that this is like a land out of the reach of the gods. So like, um. I don't. We're just gonna get to Alaska and find out that a titan, like a giant, has been ruling it for the past forty years or something. That would kind of rule. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. I think it's gonna turn out that he did Iran Contra. Jesus fucking Christ! At some point, it's gonna be explained in the Percy Jackson book how some mythological figure was involved in that, and I'm sitting here waiting for it. I. Uh, well, I'm thinking about it now. Jack London wrote books. Didn't he write mm-hmm. books about people going into Alaska and dying? Did he? Because that isn't that what like call like the that's what I like the guy like to build a fire like he goes into Alaska and like he fucks up his fire and like I'm, the book's I'm still about- one degree removed from Rick Ryden made up Jack London from that book so I don't know anything that he's written. I think all of his books are about people going into Alaska and dying. That's interesting to me. Is that like on purpose? Yeah, the Call of the Wild yeah. and White, White Fang are both set in Alaska. You're right. During the gold rush. I, huh. That's actually kind of clever. My god, maybe maybe Eric Bryan thought about this for more than five seconds. Huh. I'm not entirely willing to believe it yet, but... Well, I, I think on that posit- positive note, we can Kinda. wrap it up here. I think so. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, is there anything in here that we could use as material for the segment? No. We really I thought Heroes of Olympus was where we would start to get like like way more stuff that we could use for the segment, but if anything, there's been a fucking dearth of anything to do with it recently. This is worse than the Kane Chronicles. <laughs> At least in this respect. And it yeah. God, poor Kane Chronicles. The Kane Chronicles are slowly morphing in my mind into like my pathetic little meow meow <laughs> of a book series kicked to the curb and forgotten in favor of heroes of olympus it's kind of sad isn't it <laughs> anyway i think that'll do it for us today our intro and outro is super mario Ocean by space pony you can find that at oc remix 
Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. Uh, we're hosted by the Moonshot Network of podcasts. You can find them on Twitter at Moonshot Pods. They also stream on Twitch. I was on the show The Hyperfixation uh, to talk about Umineko. Uh You can go listen to that. Uh, it's already out. And I'll put a promo for uh, their show at the end. You can also find us on Twitter at UnwiseGirls. There we have information about our email, our personal Twitters, our Discord, etc., etc. If you want to support us, you can go to uh, your podcasting app, leave a five-star rating and review, tell your friend about us, or go to patreon.com slash UnwiseGirls, where for just a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you can get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, On this week's bonus show, which I need to edit and release as soon as we're done recording this, we talked about uh, Batman Beyond the Return of the Joker, which is like one of the best Batman movies. Uh, And as, as usual, yelled about Homestuck. That's right, that's right. Batman and Homestuck, that's all we talk about on the fucking bonus shows. It really is. One day we'll do something else. I think we just need to be done with Homestuck and then we'll we'll be free to like do other shit. Oh, well, it's a good thing that Homestuck is such a concise piece of media. That's right. It's only been, what, 80 episodes of the bonus show? About that. Oh, God. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus is Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we like to thank Danny... Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And, as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, Tony? What's up, Roma? I want to learn about a lot of shit. But, uh, well, Roma, you don't... You don't have the time to learn all of the shit. There's too much shit. No. But you know what? What? You could learn more shit in very quick ways. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, got, you got a lot of friends, and your friends know shit. And your friends, <sighs> they could probably just yell shit at you in like 30 to 45 minute intervals. And then you can acquire an approximate knowledge of all of the shit. And then you could know all the things. But, but how? I don't know. Probably like a podcast format. You know what? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the Hyperfixation anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks to the Moonshot Network. And acquire your new Hyperfixation with me.